Welcome to Unlock Your Magic, the podcast all about living authentically and doing life on your own terms. My name is Christine, I'm your host, and I invite you to come on a journey with me to discover what it means to live an authentic life, looking at the messy bits of how to get there, and hopefully picking up some tips and tricks along the way so that you can start living life as your truest self. Welcome to another episode of Unlock Your Magic. Today's guest is Aiden Curtin, who is a photographer on a mission to liberate creatives, mirrors, shakers, and culture makers from the shackles of camera shyness and boring photography, where smiles are forced, poses are unnatural, and the camera has the power. Instead, she wants to encourage business owners to embrace the idea that real power lies not in the picture-perfect illusions, but in the unyielding courage to be truly and unapologetically you. And I'm so happy to have you here because, I mean, what better person to talk to on this podcast than someone who kind of captures the authenticness of people. So welcome. Thank you so much, Christine. It's lovely to be here. So tell us a little bit maybe about yourself and how you got to do this and how yourself and and showing up as your true self and authentic self is playing into why you're doing what you're doing yeah it's almost as if I'm being pulled by this against my own will a lot of the time (laughs) but I'm being I'm being all constantly drawn to this um desire to be more me and to figure out what that is um and I think I've probably always been fairly me you know (laughs) um in terms of photography I was really interested in taking photos as a child um back when the film was really you know well film is still expensive but it was the only way of taking photos and there wasn't that much film around so um, you know, it was the camera only came out at special occasions. I think I was around nine when I I took a whole roll of film at a family wedding and then took the camera back to my dad and uh, the lens cap was still on the camera. <laughs> so, so who knows what those photos were like. But it, it, that was a moment of, oh, maybe I can't do this. And like nobody gave out to me or anything. It was just like, oh, that didn't happen. But I, I kind of took it quite personally. Um, but the the desire was always there. And then, um, you know, into my teens and early 20s, I picked up the camera again. And it was this, yeah, it was always the draw was to photograph other people. Like mm. it wasn't, I, you know, I would have done projects at, at college where, you know, we had to photograph certain things. But it was always the photographs of people that I was really drawn to. And, you know, they say that every portrait is a self-portrait on behalf of the photographer. And I do think there is there is something in that, you know, I'm always looking for the, the truth in other people as well. You know? Is that because you're looking for the truth in yourself yeah. through other people? Yeah. 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 So how does that, how do, how do you find yourself then, like in, in those? So how does that help you photographing other people? find yourself like what does that do I think especially with the like the commercial work that I do so with the branding photography 
um, I get to know people quite intimately before the shoot. Um, you know, I have a process where there are a lot of questions that I ask before we get to the shoot. And I think it's in having those really interesting conversations with other people that it kind of, it broadens my experience of the world. I'm kind of, there's a vicarious kind of nature to it, you know. So all the people that I work with, like you just, you read out like they're creatives and culture makers and movers and shakers and you know, I get to go places and I get to see things and I get to know people that I would never, ever know about without my camera. Mm. You know, and I do think that that really, um, it informs my worldview and my perspective. And also being self-employed <laughs> is one of those things where it's, you know, it's the self-development or the the, you know, the the work that is never, it, it doesn't go into the business, but in order to keep the business going, you know, there is a lot of that kind of self-work that's needed. So who are you today then? So who, you know, how do you show up in the world as your more authentic self and how have you gotten there and how have you got to know yourself? I think, so I am, where are we now, September? So I'm four months out from my 40th birthday. Um, I have a three-year-old son and um, he just turned three last week. So it was one of those kind of um, pinpoints, you know, that you look back in time and you go, oh, look what happened. So he was born in the summer of 2020 and... Um, Obviously, throughout that year, there were periods where I could work, but there were periods where, you know, all of us were doing our best to just sit out in the garden and keep within our five kilometers or two kilometers or whatever it was. And um, we'd also moved out of our house to do some some renovations and stuff on the house. And uh, we moved back in. It was just before his first birthday. And no, it wasn't, the house wasn't finished, but it was, you know, it was livable. And then it was another year before we kind of moved on to the next project. So like we didn't have a wardrobe in the house. We didn't have any mirrors up or anything like that. So um, last summer, I kind of got to the point where, you know, my wardrobe, my, my body had changed as all of our bodies do. Um, you know, and I think over the pandemic, we all had this collective kind of relaxation <laughs> around our wardrobes and our bodies. And, you know, I, I came up against that a lot with my clients as well, you know. Um, but I realized last summer that I wasn't looking at myself anymore. Like I had stopped because I had I wasn't really going out. Like all of those habits had changed so drastically over the period of the pandemic. I wasn't really going out. I wasn't wearing the clothes that I would have been wearing previously. Um, and so what I would do is I would get dressed in, you know, like clothes that were suitable to go outside in, but I wasn't really putting much attention onto it. And I would lock the front door. The kid would be in the car already or he'd be whatever. And I would look at myself in the window beside the front door and go, ah, oh, okay, I don't like this. 
but I didn't have time to do anything about it. The door was locked. I was going wherever I was going. And this went on for for months. Mm. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, this, it was affecting my work as well. It was affecting because, because I said like every portrait is a self-portrait. So, so the work that I was doing, the, the, the energy just wasn't really there as much either. And so I kind of embarked on this um, project of beginning to look at myself again compassionately as opposed to um, either avoiding myself or just going straight to shame whenever I did think about how, you know, and, and when I say how I looked, I mean how I was communicating with the world, you know. Um, I studied interior and furniture design in college and my thesis was around fitting rooms. But my thesis, my thesis was actually on the idea of how our clothing communicates our, our who we are to other people. You know, it's that in the real world, like in in real life, it's that, you know, those first few seconds where we can kind of let people know maybe like what kind of music we're into or what kind of uh, beliefs we might hold or whatever. And so because I had left so much of that behind, I didn't really know who I was anymore. So I, I, I started this thing of like, you know, really looking at myself and we got the mirrors and I started taking selfies and and things started to change. And then I realised, I suppose it it two, a couple of different things happened. So I realised that the work that I was doing myself was actually, could be really valuable to my clients. Um, but also... I realized where I was taking on a lot of responsibility um, and I wasn't sharing, I wasn't collaborating in my work a lot of the time. And it was these, you know, when I began to uncover it um, with my coach, it was this, um, this constant underlying of I'm not good enough, my work's not good enough. Nothing I do is good enough. I'll never reach those standards that I'm setting for myself, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's been that kind of work as well where, you know, I'm, I'm seeing myself through these more, um, through this more compassionate lens, but also this more energized lens. And I'm also kind of getting to a point where I'm putting up more, more boundaries and also being more willing to take up space mm-hmm. um more willing to kind of put myself into those uncomfortable um situations which like last week <laughs> one of those situations that kind of like brought it into into the light for me I was crossing the road and I'd you know I'd used the pedestrian crossing and I had just picked the kid up from his crash and we were walking across the road and I had this moment of, oh, I'm heating up all this traffic. So there's this dawning of it. That's why Irish people are so good at not using the pedestrian crossing because we, we just we don't want to hold anybody up. We don't want to like annoy anybody. We want to just like get across the road nice and quickly. 
And in that moment, I had that realization. I was like, no, this is this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm allowed to do this. And by using this pedestrian crossing, I'm not dashing out in front of anybody. Like I'm I'm taking up this space and everybody knows where they stand. Mm. And I think that's kind of become uh, how how my how I am at the moment in in my life. Like I'm more willing to take up space and I'm more willing to let people know where they stand. And I don't know if you can see it past my microphone, but I, I recently ordered this custom necklace. It says shameless. Mm. And uh, I ordered it in May, I think, and it got delayed. It arrived the day before Sinead O'Connor passed away. Mm-hmm. And that felt like a really, yeah, you know, um, like shameless, the, the connotations of that word. There are so many different ways that we can interpret it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just that for me, it's the the just leaving down of the shame of like, I'm taking up too much space. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not doing things the way I should be doing it. I'm just like, oh. so. Well, should be according to who as well, right? Like, should exactly, be according exactly. to who do is put up the rules of what we should be doing or shouldn't be doing. But the, I never thought of the pedestrian crossing that way because obviously as a German, we're very used to kind of like, you cannot actually like move unless the light is green, right? And then I moved here and I was like, oh yeah, no, I, you know. Whereas now I, I cross with my dog at the moment every day and I'm like, I'm actually waiting until the light's green just because I, I don't trust him not you know, to do things. But I was never thought of it that way. I'm like, oh, it's about taking up space, right? So how how does that feel to start to start to learn? Because you're like you're saying, it's actually also by taking up the space and letting people know where they stand. It's a very clear communication, right? Mm-hmm. It, there's no murkiness. There's no no that in which is radical in today's world because we are all supposed to be mind readers and, and learn what other people think. And <laughs> um, how is that? How did you get there? And how did, like, what helped you kind of like, because you don't go from one day of like not looking at yourself in the mirror and like feeling, maybe feeling small or, you know, like you said, the non-worthiness mm-hmm. to, oh, no, no, I'm I'm actually okay to take up the space and and, and do that. Yeah. Um, a huge amount of work, <laughs> a huge amount of work with um, coaches. Mm. So two separate coaches as it happens. Um, there was one woman that I had been working with for a couple of years and our the way I was working with her had changed. So it was very kind of like light touch coaching, like a couple of conversations a year. Um, she's based in the States and she actually came to Ireland in May of this year to do a workshop. So I did a two day workshop with her and a couple of other people. And then I've also been working with one of your most recent guests, Amanda Grace. So that's how I, uh, Amanda's been talking to Christine. Um, but yeah, we, Amanda and I are just, we've just finished a year of work and that to me has been so useful. So with both of those, so uh, Kristen is the other woman, and from her I've been learning a lot of um, a lot about good girl conditioning and this, you know, this idea of what we should and shouldn't be doing. 
And then with Amanda, it was it really gave me an opportunity to um to understand myself. Um so the the things that I would have learned from her as well were like the places where I was feeling ashamed and kind of digging into those those knots and untangling that and um learning how to be compassionate to myself and to set boundaries with myself and and so I think like all of this it starts it starts with me doing it for myself and then it kind of it kind of ripples out mm-hmm. so talk to me a little bit more about the the whole shameless idea um because I, I find that actually I find that really fascinating because you know we're we're so like you said the good girl conditioning we're so taught to feel shame about everything right and oftentimes we don't even know that that's what we're feeling that 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 shame is what's happening and like but for me what I've learned as well is that once shame is being spoken it, it loses the power exactly that exactly that and that's that's what I've been learning over the last sort of year or so as well really um excuse me <clears throat> I think, I think particularly in Ireland, I think the Catholic Church has done a lot to kind of imbue us with this innate shame. Um, I think socially in Ireland, you know, and I, look, you know, I could offer a few hot takes on, on how we got there, how it came to be. But we do have this thing of like, keeping each other small through shaming um and i think we've also got you know the the body shame like so there's there's the there's the good girl shame which is the you know you'll never be good enough you know you'll never be um small enough or pretty enough or whatever and then you know there's the body shaming that I think is it the tide is definitely turning but there's been this talk recently you know like going back to the 90s and mm. you know that the heroin chic look and and all of that and you know we all grew up seeing that on magazines and I mean there was like it, it's it wasn't healthily attainable for the people, you know, for the women on the magazines and it wasn't healthily obtain, obtainable for attainable for anybody. And it's this, you know, this um, unrealistic ideal, you know, the unattainable ideal that we're constantly encouraged to chase because that's where our... Um, that's where the money is that's where our value is it's in this like buying the new thing that's gonna do whatever because like the control that we have over our bodies is something like we're kind of encouraged to think that we we can do something about it we can change it Mm. um instead of being encouraged to understand and believe that our bodies are our most precious belonging in this world, you know. 
imagine a world where women accepted themselves. Like imagine the amount of industries that would go out of business. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I, I think any body, body image is a really hard, hard thing. And, you know, you're talking earlier about not looking into mirror and, and not, you know, I've been doing that for years. Like literally like any mirror, I just kind of like avert my eyes, just kind of like run past it. Um, it's, I think what we do, right? And it's, it's it's that kind of like shame because like we don't look like the people in the magazines. The people in the magazines don't look like the people in the magazines, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think naming that and reclaiming that is maybe it's the it's our age as well, getting into our forties. I think that kind of is is there is a shift there as well where like why am I spending so much time on worrying about what my body looks like or what other people think my body looks like? Because actually, no one actually looks, mm-hmm. usually. Or, well, actually, that's not true. I think we women do judge others, but only because we judge ourselves the most. Yeah. Right? Awesome. So how do you then learn to or actually rather because I know that's it's, it's a big part of your work right because the branding photography um and having done some of that myself is is really because you have to show up with like yourself um but oftentimes and I'm thinking of one particular coach which I hope she'll come on here as well because she had a, a photo shoot where now looking back she's like who was that person that really wasn't me it was like you know step for wives kind of mm-hmm. and it's again the like what we think people want us to be in our in our business and and I do love that that you do that in the terms of letting people show up and encouraging them to show up as their true selves and letting them know that there are people out there who will want exactly what you have to offer because, you know, you say you have to show up as your true self. You actually don't. And people don't. Yeah. And then it becomes a problem. And I've seen that a lot more in the last few years. Yeah. Um, And I think that's because, you know, like I said, our, our bodies have changed. So that affects how we perceive ourselves, but also our, maybe our levels of patience has changed um our nervous systems have been you know under a lot of stress under the normal stress of our own lives plus you know a global pandemic climate crisis all of the things that are you know that we feel so helpless about so our um i i, I noticed that pe- i was beginning to find more people coming in to work with me who were really interested in what I've uh, decided I'm not doing any more of myself, which is white knuckling. So they were, you know, just gritting their teeth and just going for it. They, you know, it was this like fake it till you make it, but they weren't making it. Um. And so, so the idea, then I developed the, the dare to be seen 
course kind of came out of, I developed that for my clients because I was seeing how it was kind of helping me and how, you know, I was working with clients who were were taking some of this work on board and it was changing how they showed up to the shoot. And I think showing up as ourselves, it's, um, it's about being compassionate and brave. You know, it's this like, I'm, I'm daring to be seen, like I'm being brave, but it's also this, I dare you to see me, mm. you know, um, and allowing, there's also a part of like this work now, I really encourage my clients to take some time with the course. So allowing themselves, because like you said, you, you know, this doesn't happen overnight. And I don't think any of the ideas that I'm presenting to anybody are new as such, but it's just about giving yourself the space to kind of um, sit into this idea of, oh, so mean right now, this is okay. Like I am enough mm-hmm. and, you know, my business is enough and my business is worth celebrating and my body is enough and my body is worth celebrating. Like these are not thoughts that we've been encouraged to have. So it, it takes time to kind of integrate it, I think. Um, and the idea of like, you know, you were saying about uh, like avoiding the mirrors. Um, that's the idea of like, why bother? You know, it's just, it's too much work. And what I want people to understand is that it's actually not too much work and you don't have to change anything. Like, of course, none of it is about changing anything. Of course, I encourage my clients to get their hair done and get their makeup done and, you know, put together a wardrobe for the shoot that makes them feel amazing. And that is not what they think they should be wearing, but it's actually what they want to be wearing how they want to dare to be seen. But it's not about changing anything. It's about it's about just embracing the power that you already have and allowing that to be enough. Yeah, and like you said earlier, it's the chasing of things, right? Because society tells us that, you know, we need to need this product to kind of feel this and to, to feel better in that and to you know get skinnier in this area and and you know get less wrinkles in this area whereas like you said embracing because again you're you know your body's given birth and to this amazing human being and you know every single wrinkle is you know meant that i've laughed you know so it's it's um but i think again that's very co- uh, countercultural in this world um but i think allowing and there is i i see this as kind of a well we not trend but i I see this more and more where people are like maybe waking up to the conditioning that we've been through like i said the good girl conditioning the the shaming conditioning all of that i think a lot of that is crumbling a lot of it is crumbling and it's it's about shaping a new way of of being right so i wonder how 
is there anything when you look at your past and maybe look at like maybe actually and what comes to me is what you the story you told about your nine-year-old self because it feels like you've you know that was pivotal in terms of like you were you were going for it and then it was like oh but I kind of it, it made you smaller and made you kind of retract what made you come back to the photography what made you come back to what's clearly part of who you are I think um how did you get back to it and not allow those negative thoughts or conditioning or kind of you know because a little little trauma moment of like feeling that shame how did you come back to it how did you allow yourself to go back to exploring and yeah um I just want to touch on one point before we we go to that you know you talked about like because I've given birth to an amazing human and my body's changed everybody's body changes and I think we really, really need to start normalizing that, particularly for women or people who are assigned female at birth. Our bodies are going to change regardless of who we do or do not give birth to. Um, and I think, you know, because the the baseline for so many standards of health and safety and being in the world are aligned with European men's bodies. Um, I think it's just really, really important to, you know, it's almost like, because there is this movement uh, around, you know, oh, my stretch marks because I gave birth to my baby, blah, blah, blah. So what, so if you have stretch marks and you didn't have a baby, then what are those stretch marks? Are they valid? You know? Yeah. And I, I think it's really like everybody's, everybody is valid and there's something there's something kind of patriarchal I find in that thing of like your body is now valid because you birthed from it yeah very true you know um and that's because we are flooded with hormones and we are flooded with stress responses and a life where we are all overstimulated now and, you know, that our bodies have changed, particularly over these last few years for any of us. Like, I think that's just, you know, a very, I think that is our very humanity. Um, but yeah, how I came back to the photography. So in 2008, I was working in an architecture practice. And um, I was supposed to be going traveling with a friend and we planned out our trip and everything. And then she got accepted on to a teacher training course to do her HDIP. And she couldn't really afford the time or the money because she was going to be going back to college and she needed to get everything ready and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, we shelved it. And then I kind of went, hang on a second. She's going to be a teacher. She's going to have all of her summers forever for the rest of her life. Obviously, this was a long time ago. And, um, and I kind of said, you know what? I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to do it on my own. I spoke to my parents, like, how would you feel? Like, I was 23, 24. Like, yeah, go on. You know, we trust you. So it was amazing. So off I went. <clears throat> and I ended up staying away for a year. And that year was from mid-08 to mid-09. So the recession, the crash happened while I was gone. Um, and that was why I stayed as long as I did, because I knew I had no work to go back to. Um, 
the company that I worked for was already under a huge amount of stress when I was handing in my notice. But because I was so young, I didn't really understand. I didn't realise why my workload had changed as such, you know. Um, So I came back and then there was a year and a half, two years of kind of bit of freelancing, bit of looking after my granny who had Alzheimer's at that stage. And, you know, she was still at home for a lot of that time. So looking after her a bit, um, you know, just going back, doing some work with that architectural practice, etc. And then in 2011, I began working as an English teacher. So I was teaching English in Ireland to adults from around the world. And as incredible as it may seem, that was so much more creatively fulfilling for me than any of the interior practice work that I had ever done. And I, again, it was because I was interacting with people and the class would change. Like Every Monday we'd have new students come in. Every Friday we'd have students leave. And it was this traveling without moving. Mm. And it was, again, seeing all of these new perspectives and meeting people, you know, I mean, I would have taught teenagers as well, kind of separately. But in the adult classes, like we would have had like 17 year olds right up to like 73 year olds you know, from Europe, South America, all over Asia and the Middle East. Like it was really um, such an interesting place to be in that classroom. And it was quite autonomous as well because I was the one who was planning the classes. So it was almost self-employed without like any of the, you know, the bureaucracy or the hassle. Um, But shortly after I started working as an English teacher, I bought a digital SLR and that kind of opened me up because, you know, like I'd grown up in this world where film is so precious and it's so expensive and la la la. And so I had my film camera all the time, but I didn't really use it that much. Um, But then I got the digital SLR and I was like, okay. And my husband's a musician and so I would go to take photos of his band and then there were other bands there and they'd ask me to take photos for them and got to the point a couple of years later where I was like taking photographs for this um, Dublin-based label. Totally unpaid, of course, because none of the musicians were getting paid either. <laughs> but it was, I learned so much from the musicians as well because for all of it, like none of them, it wasn't commercial music. They were all making that music because it was just in them and it had to come out. Mm. You know, it was, I learned so much about craft from them and I also learned that when I'm taking pictures nobody's actually looking at me like I had I did have those moments of self-consciousness and like oh am I getting in the way and actually then I I began to both realize that no nobody was looking and also that I could I could find ways to like not interfere let's say with the show <clears throat> um and that really brought me back to photography. And, you know, then I had uh, a woman that I worked with asked me to photograph her wedding. and That was so exciting. And I started photographing a lot of weddings then. But that industry mm. it just it didn't it wasn't my industry, you know. Um, and then the branding stuff I came to. So I don't know, I think think it probably would have been like 
2010, 2011, when I started studying personal branding stuff through Kathleen Shannon, who did Brene Brown's uh, branding. So, okay. Okay. so Brene had, you know, she'd written, um, was it Daring Greatly, I think was her first one. Anyway, Oprah found it. Oh my God, going on Oprah. And Brene Brown realized that okay, her aesthetics were not how she wanted them to be. So th- so she went to to Kathleen. And so I had learned a lot about personal branding and I was using it myself to, to kind of, not to build my own business, but to question the ways that I was learning how to do business, I suppose. And so then when I kind of had that moment of, oh, maybe I could bring personal branding and photography together, <laughs> And that was about six years ago now. Um, Then that kind of brought a whole new energy into it. Um, But yeah, really, like what brought me back to the photography really was just having an energy around me from other people. It's always always going to be that, like, I am an extrovert. (laughs) Um, And I will always get my energy... Um, just from seeing other people be excited, you know, and that was the big thing with the the students who were coming to Ireland to learn English. It for some of them it was the first time away from home. For others, it was their seventeenth summer in Dublin or whatever. But they always brought with them an enthusiasm and an energy, and you know that was really palpable in in those classrooms. Um. And it's the same, like the the one question that I love asking my clients is, you know, what is this shoot celebrating? Because that's what that's what I want all of my work to be, is just a celebration. Mm. How are you celebrating yourself then? Oh, Christine, such a question. Yeah. Oh, that goes straight into the heart because you know I don't. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not that's not necessarily true, but it is that is a process of learning and unlearning as well, for sure, because I spent spent years moving the goalposts on myself constantly. So, yes, I am learning to celebrate myself and I have I learned this beautiful little exercise from um, from my coach, Kristen, in May when we were doing the workshop. There's this idea of um, with one arm, like celebrating what I have and then with the other arm welcoming in, you know, more of that. So whether it's like celebrating beautiful clients or a gorgeous day with my family or a beautiful meal or, you know, doing something that I I promised myself I was going to do. And then welcoming more of that in. And it's this idea of like spreading your wings as well, you know. And so I know that sounds like a really simple thing, but I find myself sometimes like if I wake up in the middle of the night or if, you know, I find myself, I'll go to that little thing. And, I'll, you know, and I, I won't honestly sit up in bed and like flap my wings or anything, but I'll just do it in my head. But I will imagine myself doing that action of bringing these things to me and it's such a beautiful 
feeling that I get from that because it, it, it is, you know, writing a list of gratitudes, <laughs> but it's a different, it's a way that really, um, it, it, it was very easy for me to take that on board. And I think because it's physical and because it's, um, it's both celebrating what you have or who you are and also taking up the space of of asking for more of that. And like you said, the the changing the goalposts that's I think as a as a self-employed person, that's what we do, right? Because like we don't have time to stop and celebrate when we've achieved what we've actually achieved and rather than we go and Oh no no no! But like, oh, here's the next thing that I need. Then I need to go and go rather than stopping and celebrating. Is like, oh no, this is this is what I wanted. I, I've mm-hmm. achieved that, and and because again, it's it's the when is it enough? When are we enough to to be? And I've been playing with the idea of because there's a lot of obviously talk in the business world about you know scaling your business and and all that kind of stuff. And whereas that's great, it's like, okay, well, what's enough? Like, how, how much is enough and how do I want to work and, and, and navigate and create a business that's serving me rather than the other way around? Mm-hmm. And I wonder how, does, how do you navigate that and, and has that changed since you've started doing that exercise? Has you constantly changing those goalposts? Has that eased off a little has that changed or yeah yeah definitely um because what I've come to realize recently is that um thankfully I have really not um experienced very much disordered eating or um body shame personally like I have like the standard like base level of like coming up to a shoot and be like, oh, my fingers, my arms, my legs, whatever, you know. But diet culture is not something that I would have engaged with a huge amount throughout mm-hmm. my life. However, I think that idea of scaling your business and always more and moving the goalposts, that is essentially diet culture in a business form. And I, I realized that I was kind of using my clients as a scale. So um, how how my clients felt about my work was how I felt about myself. And having that realization, and again, that came through my coaching work with Amanda very, very much so early, early on, we came to that realization. And just recently I saw just this like silly video on Instagram and it was a woman in a changing room Going back to changing rooms again. And she's in the spinning room and she's trying to pull up, put on this dress that's too small for her. And her reflection in the mirror is talking to her like, what are you doing? This is never going to, this is never going to fit you. Yeah, but it will in three months time. Yeah, but right now, if you die tomorrow, you're going to be buried in what, which pair of grey leggings that you live in, which of the grey t-shirts that you wear all of the time. And it was this moment of... That's what I've been doing with my business as well. Um, in that, like, instead of trying to become like stronger or fitter, I was trying to 
if you map like dropping dress sizes, mapping that on to like income growth mm. or client growth. So in so it's this idea of like focusing on scaling to six figures and seven figures and X, Y, and Z instead of focusing on actually just being really strong and um believing that you're enough right now. Um yeah, does that answer the question? Yeah, no, I, I think that it's actually an amazing kind of comparison that I, I hadn't thought about. But it is true, right? It's that always the the when is enough is enough, right? And making the decision enough, oh, well, can I be present? Like I said, can I be strong? And like, am I happy with where I'm at at the moment? Rather than, and and taking then out the time that I need to to be present with those around me and but again, it depends on, you know, and, and what we want in life. If you want to go after a seven-figure business, by all means, do that. But it got, comes at a cost, I think. And I'm all for the, I'm all for the seven-figure businesses. I'm all for the, the small businesses succeeding. Yeah. Um, because I believe that the success of small businesses will be the success of all of us. You know, that we don't have those... Like we have those hoarding billionaires now who, you know, are building stuff only for themselves. Like they're not even building bu- buildings for the the city or the society. They're they're just hoarding it all for themselves. But I think the people who start small businesses, um, the the local businesses, the women owned businesses, the LGBTQI plus businesses the you know businesses owned by by people whose background is not um an entitlement a growing up with a sense of entitlement or consumers it's really it's or looking at it from a consumer like consumerism point of view Mm -hmm. and 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 making money like it's not the driving force necessarily obviously do we do we need to make money to kind of live absolutely although i kind of have a feeling like i i also kind of think what if we just eradicated money and what if we eradicated all of it we used to live that way and we used to live very happily that way you know but yeah and and there was still credit and debt in those times and there was still um you know there was still an economy and because none of us are self-sufficient, even though we're kind of like, we are now in a culture of individualism, like we are not self-sufficient. Um, so I do think successful small businesses, I am all for it. I want my business to be successful. I want all of my clients to be wildly successful. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah, it's this idea of being strong like for me now like I just did my weight training session this morning like I'm the strongest I've ever been I'm still definitely the like in terms of the size of my body it's you know it's the biggest my body has ever been but I'm the strongest and in the same way with my business I feel like by me understanding where my boundaries lie like what what I owe people and what what their responsibilities are and how, you know, 
that it's clear that we have that like communication, like everybody knows where they stand. I think that is how a business can grow to be successful um, instead of this kind of, you know, diet culture idea of, you know, just at all costs, it's about making money. Mm. So the 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 other idea of that is at all costs, it's about being as small as you can be, you know. Mm. And um, yeah, there are there are huge costs to that if it's not done um sustainably and with integrity and with the right foundations. Mm. So what advice would you give someone that is starting out on this journey of becoming more authentically themselves and showing up, taking up space, talking about taking up space? What would you kind of tell them from your own experience of what maybe has helped you? Um Finding a sounding board, whether that's a piece of paper or it's the voice notes app on your phone or it's um, a friend or colleague or a coach, somebody or something that you can kind of, you know, bounce ideas off Um, and compassion self-compassion um, and understanding that you are operating within various intricate systems of oppression you know and that doing your best is is good enough amazing well where can people find you and work with you and do all the work so you can find me on Instagram at Firechild Photography. And my website is firechildphotography.com. And the Dare to be Seen course that I'm offering at the moment, there's the introduction and part one are available for free. So you can find that at the link in my Instagram or on my website. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking out the time. I truly appreciate it. I love that conversation. And yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. And you too, Christine. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Unlock Your Magic. If you like this episode, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast to subscribe, rate, or leave us a review. These small actions help us immensely since we are an independent podcast without any sponsorship. See you next time.